Good morning. Hey, good to see everybody here this morning. A little damp around the edges, but uh, right down deep where it counts, everything's nice and sunny and dry, right? What have we? Okay, thank you. All right. Uh, few announcements this morning. Uh, our regular business meeting will be uh, tomorrow evening, starting at 6 o'clock in the fellowship hall. So if you can uh, be there, we need your input on whatever comes up. Um, our conference on spiritual warfare, Prepared for Battle, is the, uh, the title. Be uh, a week from Friday and Saturday. And uh, Mitch, you got anything to tell us on that? Uh, yeah, the Friday evening uh, starts at 6, and that'll be David Leland. Uh, the flyers have all the topics for each session. There's four sessions. The one is Friday. The last three uh, are on Saturday. Uh, Friday evening, there will be chili and fixings for chili uh, for supper, and then... Uh, Saturday morning there will be a continental breakfast provided mm -hmm. by New Bethel. Sounds good. So it will be, uh, it should be very instructive for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And hopefully there will be some people who are able to get their lives straightened out. Right. Uh, is there a, uh, a registration required for, uh, for this? Or just no. Pop no, in just and... if you're coming, show up. Okay. <laughs> now, uh, also, I do want to remind about the revival this weekend our part of this weekend it's thursday and friday night at uh, uh turning point church six thirty each night uh todd smith is the speaker from north georgia his church has had a major revival uh been going on for two or three years now hmm. and uh, he wrote a book it's, uh, it's very good uh something about the fire keeping the Holy Ghost, fire of God, something. Anyway, they've had a lot of miracles happen, a lot of people getting healed as they were baptized at their church. Uh, just amazing things that God has been doing. And so that ought to be a very good uh, a very good revival. I'm looking forward and hoping to uh, learn and grow. So, okay. It's this Friday and Saturday? This Thursday. Thursday and Friday. Friday. Thursday and Friday. Okay. Turning Point Church in Scottsburg, 6.30 each night. Thursday and Friday at 6.30, you said? Yeah, I think that's the same one that used to be the Southern Baptist Church. Is yeah. that right? Yes. Turning Point? Yeah. John Jackson's a pastor. See, uh, used to be Danny Jackson. Used Dad. to be Danny Jackson's church, right. Um, it's... Uh, if you can't find it any other way, it's right behind the tattoo parlor. Yeah, there you go. Sacred Yeah, I've always wondered about that. Okay, do we have any birthdays this morning? I do not see a hand. Anniversaries? I still don't see a hand. Then let's Continue to praise the Lord in song. Song and prayer and worship. 
Let's turn to number 35. We will glorify the King of Kings. Stand and let's sing it out. Number 164, I Must Tell Jesus. Yeah. 
Brother Mitch, will you lead us in prayer, please? Our Father in God, we thank you so much, Lord, for your many, many blessings. For you are God Almighty. You are the creator of all that exists, Lord. When we look around, when we look to anything, we see you, the very fabric of God. When we look to the sky, we see the wondrous things you've created and all the stars and all the planets and just a vast space. Lord, how much bigger than all these things you must be and how wonderful you are to create all these things for your glory and your honor. But Lord, you also allow us to enjoy all of these things. Lord, thank you that you made this world, but you put man in charge to keep it, to take care of it, to till the ground, to make sure vegetation grows, to use it in a way that is beneficial for us, but also that brings glory to you. Lord, you are so wonderful, so magnificent, and we see so little because our minds are closed. We are so filled with the world that we miss so much of you. Lord, forgive us. Open our spiritual eyes, open our spiritual minds to see you more, to realize more about you instead of just about us. Lord, we love you. We're here gathered to worship you. So empty our minds of everything except you. Have your way. May your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Our Father, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever amen you may be seated Leading into our uh, observance of the Lord's Supper this morning, our communion hymn will be number 426, Lead Me to Calvary.
John Klemick has our uh, meditation this morning. Lest I forget thy love for me. <laughs> then I saw here more love to thee. Guess what the message is today? Love. And love for God, or God we love you, came up already twice in the prayer, once with Mitch and uh, once with Mark this morning. He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. About a month ago, it was a few days after my birthday, I was sitting in the morning, and I was just going over my life and just thinking about everything that's happened and uh, how God's been with me even when I may not have been with him. And I just had a moment, and I just, God, I love you. And it, it was a very intimate moment. Amen. And I, I, just, I just wanted to share that. There was more, but... People yearn to be loved. How much do you think God loves you? Most of us can quote the verse, God is love, but what does that really mean to you? How does knowing that God is love affect your life? Does it change the nitty-gritty details of your day? One way to understand love is to see how God uses the word love in the Bible both in describing his love for us and in describing how we are often how we are to love others god loves his people and expects them to spread his love to others in return when we don't spread god's love we become like a shutoff valve to the world stopping the flow of, of god's love through us Amen. of course spreading god's love is a difficult task not everyone will want to receive it, and some will even outright reject us. In fact, loving others always makes us vulnerable, as the suffering and death of Jesus Christ made very clear. But when we love others with God's love, he promises to be beside us. 1 John chapter 14, verse 16 says, We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love. And all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. Because Jesus, God's Son, gave us the greatest example of love through his sacrifice on the cross for our sins. We know what it really means to love others. Value people as Jesus values people. Speak with his gentleness. Act with his kindness. Forgive with his thoroughness. And love with his intensity.
Let's pray. We praise you, Lord, because love is a part of your very essence. Help us to trust your commitment to our well-being even when life is hard and painful and make us special agents of your love to others. Amen. Let's take a few moments and just bask in God's love. A chance to speak to him just face to face. When Jesus and his disciples were gathered in the upper room for the Passover meal, Jesus took bread and broke it, blessed it, passed it among them, saying, This is my body broken for you. Eat ye of it. And likewise the cup after they had eaten, Jesus gave thanks, passed it to them, saying, This is my blood, and poured out for the remission of sins. Drink ye all of it. Let's stand for the doxology. Four sixty nine, trust and obey as we continue our praise and our worship this morning.
things we don't know and don't understand in this life and don't understand about the next life but we'll understand it better by and by number 493 Good morning. Isn't it great to be in the house of the Lord? 
If you're blessed, say amen. Amen. <laughs> God's good to us. All the time. Amen. All right, let me get my, my sword out of the scabbard here. Uh, there's my marker, sorry. All right. Has God been good to you? Amen. We serve a loving and good God, don't we? All right, let's see where we're at here. Uh, All right. I think I know where we're at. Jesus before Pilate. All right. Matthew 26, beginning at, or 27, I'm sorry, beginning at verse 11. Meanwhile, Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? You have said so, Jesus replied. When he was accused by the chief priest and the elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate asked him, Don't you hear the testimony they're bringing against you? But Jesus made no reply, not even to a single charge, to the great amazement of the governor. Now it was the governor's custom at the festival to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. At that time, they had a well-known prisoner whose name was Jesus Barabbas. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked him, Asked them, which one do you want me to release to you? Jesus Barabbas or Jesus who is called the Messiah? For he knew it was out of self-interest that they had handed Jesus over to him. When Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him but the chief priest and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to give Jesus uh, to have Jesus executed which of the two do you want me to release to you asked the governor Barabbas they answered What shall I do then with Jesus, who is called the Messiah, Pilate asked. They all answered, crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed, Pilate asked. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent. Of this man's blood, he said, it is your responsibility. All the people answered, his blood is on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. Wow. Let's pray. Father God. Lord, your word is truth. Every word counts. Everything is there for a reason. Open our spiritual hearts. Open our spiritual minds. 
Help us to receive from this word your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So we see here that, you know, Judas had hanged himself and and Jesus had been betrayed by him and has been taken captive and uh, was arrested and now he's standing before the Roman representative. Before he was there before the Jewish representative. Now he's in a Gentile representation. They were the ones who, uh, who were in charge of all of Israel, of all the Jews, Jews, Jews in Jerusalem and around the, the, the Jewish nation. They had to answer and give an account to the Romans. And so there was a law that they could not kill anyone of their own accord by punishment, but they had to have approval of the Roman leader before they could have anyone put to death. And so they bring him after they had decided he was guilty and was worthy of death. Then they brought him before Pilate. And here we see this scene unfold. Pilate talks to Jesus and he doesn't find any guilt with Jesus. The accusation is that, well, he says that he's the king of the Jews and therefore he's breaking Roman law. He's going against Caesar. Now that's a little different than the accusation that they had when they were before the Jewish leaders. There they accused him of blasphemy. Not only did he say he was king of the Jews as Messiah, but he said he was the son of God. That would be blasphemy if it wasn't true. (laughs) But it was true. They just couldn't grasp it. So now they're saying, you know, he is trying to bring uh, insurrection against the leadership of Roman times. But when Pilate talks to him, he asks him, are you a king? He said, yep, you said so. (laughs) Now, in a sense, what he's saying is, is, well, do you believe I'm a king? (laughs) And, And so Pilate doesn't see a problem with this. He's not trying to take over anything. And so Pilate... You know, he's trying to convince the people that, hey, he doesn't deserve death. And I'm not willing, really, to put an innocent man to death, even if he is a Jew. There's no point in this. He didn't like the Jews all that much. And it wasn't nothing to him whether Jesus lived or died. But it's just the simple fact that he thinks he's innocent. And that the only reason why they want to kill him is out of jealousy. And for that reason, you think about it this way. In Pilate's mind, he's saying, if I put this man to death, it's going to make those Jewish leaders happy. So I'm not doing it. (laughs) I mean, that's, 
kind of sad, but that's really the reality of what's going on here. It wasn't about Jesus and his innocence or guilt. It was all about pride. The Jewish leaders had their pride, and it had been hurt by Jesus. Now the Roman leader has his pride, and he's trying to not give them what they want. When he questions Jesus again, he finds nothing wrong with him. But after he asked him, are you king? Then it says that the Jewish leaders, the priests and the elders, they began to make accusations against Jesus before Pilate. And Jesus just stood there, silent. (laughs) You know, you think about this. You're in a courtroom. You've been accused of all kinds of things that you never did. And you don't declare your innocence. You just stand there and let them do what they're going to do. That amazed the governor. He's like, well, I've never seen anybody act like that before. He must not be guilty or he would be really declaring this and that and the other, defending himself. But he's not even making an effort. He's just accepting whatever judgment is given. Now, I think there's a lesson in that for us, folks. Have you ever asked God for something and didn't get it? Anybody besides me? Yeah. And... So we have to learn to accept that God knows best. When he says no, we should say thank you for protecting me from myself. Because if he had granted that, apparently it would have caused some kind of grief for us or for somebody else. So he didn't do it. So it's a blessing. We have to learn to accept what God says as truth, as reality, as it is. Because if we don't, we're going to be disappointed and we're going to lose our faith. But Pilate heard all these accusations and he didn't believe it. But he thought, okay... I have a way out of this. (laughs) I have a way out of this. Every year, I release a prisoner. So, you know, these chief priests and elders are just jealous against Jesus. People aren't. So, I will offer them a way to let Jesus go. Who do you want me to release to you? Jesus Barabbas or Jesus the Messiah? Well, the chief priest and the elders were so filled with antagonism, with bitterness, that they convinced the people to let a murderer go live among them and kill an innocent man. Wow. That's what they call justice? <laughs> I don't think so. But it was foreordained 
This was all of God. It was all part of God's plan. That's the reason why Jesus kept his mouth shut. He had accepted what was going to happen. He already knew he was going to be found guilty. He already knew that he was going to be tortured. He already knew that he was going to be crucified and die. But he knew that it wasn't because of man. It was because his father ordained it. Therefore, he accepted it. In obedience to the Father, he went to the cross. And out of love for you and for me, he accepted our punishment for us. He took all of that beating, all of that torment, all of that mocking, beating, spitting, Wearing the crown of thorns. Being hung on the cross. He went through all of that pain and agony. So that we could be set free from it. All we have to do. Is put our faith. In what he did for us. In him. As our savior. And then we don't have to go to suffering when we die. We go to paradise. We go to heaven. Wow. What a God we serve. So, when they cried out to release Barabbas, he did that. But while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him a message. Now, she had a dream. Now, that dream could have come from God himself. She had a dream. You know, the people in that part of the country at that time thought dreams were very significant. If you have a dream, it's from God. A God of some kind. In this case, I believe it was from Yahweh, the true and living God. She could see in her dream that Jesus was innocent. And she warned him, have nothing to do with this innocent man. She could, she could feel that if he condemned him, he was condemning himself. And she was trying to prevent that. And he tried to find a way to where he wouldn't have to do that. But the chief priest and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for the release of Barabbas. What shall I do then with Jesus who is called the Messiah? And they answered, crucify him. Wow. Here's the son of God. Come to show the way of God, the love of God, the mercy of God. And extend the grace of God. And they want to kill him. But you know what? That, again, was all ordained of God. It was all a part of God's plan that this would happen. I'm not saying that makes it okay for people to have acted the way they acted. In fact, there are people today who are saying if Jesus came back, we'd crucify him again. Now, that's really wrong because that definitely is not of God. (laughs) These people had no idea they were fulfilling prophecy. They were just 
being themselves. They were caught up in the moment, in the crowd, a riot mentality. And Pilate thought there might be a riot break out if he doesn't do something to calm these people down because they just keep hollering, crucify him, crucify him. And they kept getting louder and, and, and more built up. And he could tell they were going to do it whether he approved or not. But if they started a problem, that could be a problem for him because it was his job at being appointed to be leader there, governor by Caesar, to keep there from being problems among the Jews. And so ultimately, he releases Barabbas and decides to have Jesus flogged. Now, these two Jesuses, and I know not every version of the scripture says his name is Jesus. Some may have it in the margin, but tradition says that his name was Jesus Barabbas. The meaning of the word Barabbas itself, it just simply means son of a man. That's all it means, son of a man or son of man. Now, that happens to be also another one of Jesus' titles, son of man. He also, though, has the title son of God. So there's very similar names, but very huge differences. One is guilty, the other is innocent. Now, here's the thing, folks. If you go back, like Jonathan Kahn teaches us, you go back to the sacrificial system, and on the Day of Atonement, they had two lambs. One was a scapegoat. The other died. One was released into the wilderness To return sin back to where it belonged. The other was sacrificed for the sins of the people. So even that was being fulfilled right here, right now, in this situation. Jesus is our Paschal Lamb, He is the perfect Lamb of God who died. To take our sins away. You know, Pilate tried three times, I think, to convince them that Jesus was not guilty of anything worthy of death. And they kept saying, crucify him. So he saw he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting. He took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. In other words, I'm washing my hands of this matter. Maybe that's where we get that analogy from. But he washed his hands in front of him and said, I am innocent of this man's blood. It's your responsibility. Well, he didn't realize just how true that was. Not just was it the responsibility of the Jews, but it's my responsibility and your responsibility that Jesus went to the cross. He died for all sin, forever. For all people who had died before he went to the cross, for all the people who were alive during the time he went to the cross, and for all people forevermore. He went to the cross for all sin 
all time, once for all, sacrificed. He went to the cross because of your sin and because of my sin. Not because of those leaders of the Jews in that day or the Jews crying out, crucify him. Not because of the governor, Pilate. Not because the Roman soldiers are the ones who put him on the cross. They are all just as guilty as we are, but we put him on the cross because we have sinned. The wages of sin is what? But the gift of God is what? Comes from where? Christ Jesus. The gift of God is eternal life through or in Christ Jesus. Why is Jesus the one who we get our salvation from? Our free gift is received from Jesus because he paid the debt of death for us. He took all the torment and torture that we would receive in hell for all of eternity on himself. No wonder he cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? First time he'd ever been separated from his father. But God could not look on the sin that Jesus had taken upon himself. And it went dark because God turned his back. Yes, there was a, an eclipse. But why do you think there was an eclipse? <laughs> God ordained it. Folks, we have a God who loves us so much. That he was willing to die. A horrible, painful, wrenching death. Not just in body, but also in spirit. He took all of that so that we could be set free from it. He loves us so much that he was willing to die. And he reaches out after he come back from death. And says, come unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I shall give you rest. You know, often in this life, we get burdened down with so many things around us in the world. There's also things that burden our soul. Either way, we go to Jesus, right? He's the one who can fix it. He's the one who we lay it at his feet, and then we just... Rest. It's been done. We gave it to him. It's done. We leave it there. We no longer fear. We no longer worry. We no longer have to have knots in our stomach about what am I going to do. No, I gave it to him. He is going to take care of it. Because he is God. And he loves you. And he wants to. He wants to help. No matter what the problem is, no matter what the challenge is, let me ask you, what is there that God can't do? Can't lie, that's the only thing. (laughs) So when he says, come to me and I'll help you, that's not a lie. He means it. So have you? Have you laid it all at the feet of Jesus? Are, Are you carrying a burden That's not yours to carry.
There are things that he expects us to do. But then there's things we can't do. And we give them to him. I don't expect him to drive me where I want to go. That's just because I can't see well and can't drive. But he does provide somebody who will. God is good. All the time. If you have a need this morning, just mind the Lord and come as we sing. Brother Buffett. Our invitation hymn this morning is number 539. Where he leads me, I will follow. Let's stand and sing.
Amen. Amen. Well, God broke my heart for the nation, for us all, for this church. So pray. Do what God wants. Be obedient. Amen. Brother Bob. Maybe see.